If you want to follow along in your Bible tonight, we're going to have the verses up there, but you, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1 to start with, so if you'd like to go there. We're studying the life of the Apostle Paul by looking at uh, sections of Scripture, putting different sections of Scripture in the New Testament together uh, at different times in his life to kind of fill out some of the gaps. And uh, I think you'll see some of the value of that tonight uh, because we're going to study uh, an episode in Paul's life when he was in Damascus and Arabia, which I've heard taught a lot of different ways uh, that may not be uh, completely accurate, and so we'll, we'll see. Now, when we last uh, saw Saul, and by the way, we're going to start calling him by his Roman name now, Paul. Um, Saul, his Hebrew name. Paul, his Roman name. They're both his names. Paul isn't the Roman form of Saul. He was uh, born a Hebrew, and so that would have been his Jewish name. His Roman name was Paul. Well, let's start calling him Paul. Uh, we last saw him, he was being water baptized by Ananias after having been saved and baptized uh, with the Holy Spirit in Damascus. The exact order of events after his baptism are not as clear as we'd like. We know some big things, but we don't know exactly the timing. We know for sure uh, that Paul did not return to Jerusalem for about three years. Those three years were spent in Damascus and Arabia, as you'll see. We're not sure exactly how much time was spent in each place. And when it comes to him being in Arabia, we're really not sure at all exactly what he was doing there. The Bible does not tell us for sure. We'll piece together some verses from Acts and 2 Corinthians and Galatians to see what we can about Paul as a baby Christian. That, that kind of, uh, I, I thought that was fun this week when I realized that at this point in his life, he's just gotten saved. We see him in Damascus, a uh, couple of snapshots and uh, out in the Arabian desert, and uh, he's a baby Christian. Do you ever think of Paul the Apostle as a brand new baby Christian? It's, it's like hard to fathom, as a matter of fact. Uh, but that's what he was. Now, the best place to start uh, in this uh, time of his life is with this biographical section in Galatians, uh, beginning in verse 11 and 12, and then skipping down to verses 15 through 18. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is telling us that he got the information about Jesus from Jesus. He didn't go to, uh, to the disciples, as we'll see in Jerusalem. Uh, he didn't get taught by Ananias. It, it was the Lord who shared the gospel with him. Verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, meaning he didn't talk to others about it, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So he's in Damascus. He says he went to Arabia and then came back to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. The main point of these verses in their context in Galatians is to show that Paul received his commission and message directly from Jesus Christ. He didn't rush to Jerusalem to be taught by or to be verified by the original apostles. He was just as much an apostle as they, having encountered Jesus Christ personally. 
The few words in verse 17, but I went to Arabia, are the only record we have of Paul going there. In his day, Arabia referred to anything and everything south and east of Israel. So it's a pretty broad area. Based on just these verses in Galatians, a tradition has formed that Paul got saved on the road to Damascus, spent a short time there, as we'll read, and then went out into the Arabian desert to spend time alone with Jesus for almost three years. I've heard it presented as a kind of seminary training, getting him ready for his mission. Now, that makes sense to us. That's the way we think. We're big on education, we're big on schooling, we're big on training. We carry over that way of thinking into our serving the Lord. Now, before I say anything more about that approach to ministry, let's get deeper into what might have really happened in those three years in Arabia. I think it's important to establish an alternate idea before I make the point that I'm going to make. First of all, There's no mention anywhere of Paul's time in Arabia being a solitary stay out in a desert wilderness. We hear Arabia, and immediately, at least I do, I associate it with a desert. We assume it was a John the Baptist season in Paul's life, that as if Damascus was the, uh, right at the end of the world, and when you left Damascus, you were out in the Arabian wilderness, and Paul was just out there living off the land, eating locusts and wild honey and spending time getting to know Jesus. Now, the truth is that region, Arabia, belonged to a people called the Nabataeans, and they were ruled by a king named Artetus. There were a lot of Gentiles out there in what is called Arabia in cities and settlements. As I read about it, I also learned that there were a lot of Jews from what is called the Hebrew tradition. You might recall from our previous studies that the Jews were split into two groups in terms of their worldview. The first century Jews had two different competing worldviews. Some were called Hebrews, And some were called Hellenists. Again, it confuses us because we think of all Jews as Hebrews. But at that time, there were Jews who were Hebrews in their worldview, and there were Jews who were Hellenists in their worldview. Hellenists standing for Greek. The Hebrews were those who resisted the surrounding culture, and they used the original Hebrew language in their reading and their studying and in their homes. The Hellenists were progressive. They wanted to borrow from the Greek culture. They spoke Greek, uh, and they weren't as separate as were the Hebrews. Uh, Paul, you remember, said that he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Certainly, that refers to him being really deep into the whole Hebrew worldview, but it's been suggested it might also summarize his time in Arabia, that that's where he said, I am a Hebrew among Hebrews, because that eastern part of the empire, that's where most of the Hebrew Christians were. And so for him to say, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews, uh, could put him in Hebrew settlements in Arabia. If so, we could argue that Paul at some point left Damascus, went out into Arabia to preach the gospel among the Hebrews that had settled there. 
Is there any other reason biblically to think his time in Arabia was a time of ministry rather than a time of reflection? Well, we know that Paul immediately began preaching in the synagogues of Damascus because he says so. He got saved on the road to Damascus and he said immediately after his eyes were opened, well, let's read it. It's Acts chapter 9 beginning in verse 19. Acts 9, 19 through 22. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Paul, uh, Paul, uh, Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is not this he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, let me read from Acts 26 while we're on the subject of Paul preaching immediately after his conversion in Damascus. This is Acts 26, 19 and 20. He's talking to King Agrippa, and he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. I declared first to those in Damascus, later in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. He says here, he declared first to those in Damascus. He immediately preached Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead in the synagogues. It said he did it and he confounded the Jews. Now, talking to King Agrippa, he related that he was in Damascus, then Jerusalem. He doesn't mention Arabia, but we know from Galatians that there was a period of at least three years between Damascus and Jerusalem, and that he was in Arabia part of that time. Mentioning Damascus was synonymous with Arabia because that's where Damascus was. It would be like me saying I was in Anaheim. You would understand that I passed through other cities as well. I didn't just go directly from Hanford to Anaheim, or I could say I was in Orange County, and you would know that I was in Anaheim because it's the only city worth going to in Orange County. So, you know, people say, oh, you see, there's no mention of Arabia. Well, uh, there doesn't need to be because it's understood. For sure, we know Paul ministered boldly in Damascus immediately after he got saved. And that at some point he was in Arabia and he did not return to Jerusalem for at least three years. I think Paul preached for a time in Damascus and then he took his show on the road. He went out to Arabia, both to the Hebrews in their synagogues, which was always his pattern, and then to the Gentiles. I think what he said to Agrippa substantiates my claim. He said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. What heavenly vision? Well, we remember it was the appearance of the risen Lord Jesus Christ to Paul on the road to Damascus. What was Paul to obey? He was to obey the commission Jesus gave him through Ananias. He said he was a chosen vessel to what? Bear the name of Jesus before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And so Paul tells us with his own mouth, he said, uh, we read, hey, I immediately started preaching in the synagogues and I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, the commission I was given to do what? Preach the gospel to Jews and Gentiles. It seems to me that a two or three year retreat in the desert, even to be alone at the feet of Jesus, would be disobedient to the heavenly vision. Jesus didn't tell him 
uh, he didn't say, Ananias, go tell Paul uh, that he's a chosen vessel to bring my name to the Jews and the Gentiles after he and I spend some time in the Arabian desert together. One author put it like this, would Paul, having once seen the Lord and heard his command, turn back from the plow for three years? I think we know the answer to that is no. Look at it another way. What would Paul have needed to learn that would take three years of study and solitude? Did you ever think about that? Raised the Hebrew to be a Pharisee, schooled by Gamaliel, he knew the scriptures backwards and forwards. He spoke all the necessary languages so he didn't need language school. You know, sometimes missionaries today, they're called out onto the mission field and they feel really called to a certain field, but they have to go to language school for a year to learn the language of the people that they're going to. Paul knew all the languages he needed to know. His unique upbringing allowed him to be a Jew among Jews and a Gentile among Gentiles. You remember he'd say that later in his ministry being all things to all men. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, but he was brought up in Tarsus, a very Gentile Greek city where he had a lot of relationships with Gentiles. Most importantly, Ananias had prayed for Paul, laid his hand on him, and he had what? Received the Holy Spirit. He began immediately to minister And so I think we must assume he went on ministering in Arabia, which wasn't just a vast desert wilderness, but was filled with Hebrews and Gentiles. The only thing that makes sense in the character and life of the Apostle Paul. Now, there's an argument that Paul needed time to put everything into perspective, that he was confused because he had lived his whole life according to the law and as a Pharisee, and he really needed this time with Jesus. And I thought about that too, and I thought, you know, getting saved doesn't usually confuse you. Getting saved usually unconfuses you, which is not a word. It is it? I don't think so. Can you be unconfused? Today we can't. When I got saved, I wasn't confused anymore. I was confused up until the minute Jesus Christ saved me. I was in kind of a fog. I didn't know what was going on. I'd seen movies about prophecy and my life was topsy-turvy and all this stuff and I was just in kind of a spiritual funk and when I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior, I was clear-headed. I understood a lot of things clearly. I didn't need three years to clear my head. Getting saved is helpful, not hurtful. Another potential clue that Paul was ministering in Arabia is that in his writings, He describes many persecutions that are not documented in the book of Acts. For example, he says in 2 Corinthians 11 that he was flogged five times by the Jews. None of those are recorded in the book of Acts. It might be that some of those persecutions happened during that two and a half or three year period in Arabia. Now, this is so important. The more I thought about this, just small insight that Paul didn't really go out there and spend time alone with Jesus is so important because it exposes my default position that a person is not ready to serve the Lord unless and until adequate training has occurred. This is a grid that we put on people. 
Oh, you got saved? That's great. Maybe in 10 years, God can use you. Maybe after you have this training or maybe after this happens in your life. The Lord told the 120 in the upper room to wait only until the promise of the Holy Spirit came upon them, baptizing them with boldness for service. All of the rest of what they did was on-the-job training. Now, true, they had been with Jesus, but they didn't really understand anything about Jesus when they were with him. And then they got, uh, they were born again, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, and they just went out. And what I like most about the guys in the book of Acts, the early disciples, they didn't have a clue as to what they were doing. They had no idea what they were, they had no real plan. Jesus had given them a big overall vision. He said, you're gonna have power to talk about me. You'll do it in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then out into Samaria, which they're thinking, yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. And then into the othermost parts of the earth. He says, now go for it. That's all there is to it. And, and that's all they did. And so the very, right at the very beginning, Peter gets up and he says, um, now, I can tell you what's happening here. These guys aren't drunk. This is the Holy Spirit that was promised, and thousands of people get saved. I think it's encouraging, don't you? Hey, you know, we don't know what we're doing, but God knows what he's doing through us. And so that's the only waiting that took place in the book of Acts. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God, says the Lord. So what am I waiting for? What are you waiting for? Start serving the Lord. If you're already serving him, Listen for new ways of serving that require him to empower you, ways that you cannot accomplish in your own might and by your own power, no matter how much training or education you accrue. Now, I don't want to give anybody the impression that learning or being educated or <coughs> going to school or anything like that, that there isn't some training sometimes that can benefit you. That's not the point. The point is we emphasize that too much. The point is we count on that. The point is we can have a person who's completely trained and educated and we think that person's ready, but they're not really ready until they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they're sent by the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit to accomplish the ministry that the Spirit has for them. Paul returned from Arabia to Damascus and he faced persecution. I know that, 2 Corinthians eleven thirty-two 32 and 33. In Damascus, the governor under Artetus, the, uh, the king, or Aretas, the king, excuse me, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hand. Then in Acts chapter 9, it recounts the same episode. Verse 23, now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Isn't it interesting that both the Gentile governor who answered to a Gentile king and the Jews, they both were plotting to kill Paul? That the governor was involved might indicate Paul had made himself known as a troublemaker out in Arabia not just in Damascus. At any rate, um, this ends Paul's time, his about three years in Damascus, then out into the Arabian area among, I believe, Hebrews and Gentiles, then back to Damascus where uh, finally they have to sneak him out of town to save his life. We must return to the understanding and then remain convinced that we are equipped by the Holy Spirit 
to boldly do the work of the ministry. Do you need to learn more every day about God and his word? Absolutely. Is there valuable training, sometimes on the job, sometimes by book, uh, sometimes here or there? Absolutely. Not a problem. But we tend to fall into a thinking that that is the necessity rather than a bonus. I'd rather have a spirit-filled, ignorant person than a highly trained person depending on their own skills and abilities because God can't do anything with and through a person like that. Not anything lasting, not anything real. Paul himself will say later on, God doesn't choose many wise or noble. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And so I hope you're encouraged tonight. Wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord, maybe you're a Bible genius. That's fantastic. Or maybe you think you don't know, you couldn't even name the books of the Old Testament in order if to save your life. It's all right because you know what? You know Jesus Christ. You know the good news. You can be filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, and do incredible ministry. Train as you go because we want to hasten the coming of the Lord and there is just no time to waste. Amen? All right. Praise the Lord.